Hey everybody, I hope you and your loved ones are safe, happy and healthy. Before you listen to or watch the show, remember to subscribe and follow the Mortgage Broker Club on Facebook and LinkedIn to stay up to date with all the latest news and updates. Please note we are not a mortgage broker and do not lend money directly to clients. Remember a mortgage and or borrowing secured against your home or property can be repossessed if you do not keep up the mortgage repayments. The content of this show is for information purposes only and is not to be relied upon. Stay well and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. I am your host Sean Rogers and I am delighted to be joined by Peter Turner from Glenhawk. Glenhawk provides short-term property finance with a strong capital base to lend whether you are looking to acquire a new property, unlock equity in a current property or you're initiating a property investment or refurbishment. On today's show, we're going to be discussing the latest market trends, how best to handle problem cases and the solutions available. And I'm going to be asking Peter for his views on the bridging market as a whole. Firstly, Peter, how are you and how are things? I feel very well, thank you. Yeah, sun's out. It's a Friday, so it's, uh, yeah, happy days. I know we are recording this on a Friday afternoon, possibly the last sun of the year. So, <laughs> yeah, so to, have, to have Peter in an office doing the show, we're very <laughs> humbled and happy to have you. Um, Peter, um, you have 20 years experience plus within the financial services sector. Can you tell us about your experiences prior to joining Glenhawk and what is it about Glenhawk that led you wanting to join them? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a few more years than 20, to be honest. But um, I uh, started with uh, with Barclays, uh, stint at RBS. Uh, I then uh, joined the brokerage, um, fancied a bit of a change. Uh, that was uh, a couple of months before the crash. So that was great timing to become a broker. Um, stuck that out for about four years. Um, and then uh, I joined Shawbrook. Um I was introducing business to them as a broker. Um, they were looking, they just started looking to uh, expand their sales team. Um, and it just seemed a great place to go. So uh, I'd um, seven, seven and a half years uh, at Shawbrook as a BDM covering kind of London and the Southeast, uh, which was great. Um, and then out of the blue, got a phone call from Guy. Um, they, they just set up, they were looking for someone established. Uh, and, and the BDM side. Um, so I had a conversation with them, with, with Guy and Nick, um, and just really liked what they were saying, um, where the company was, uh, what their visions were, um, how they thought that I could get involved and, and help with that. Um, and it just seemed a, a, a great opportunity. Um, and been here just over two years now, um, We've, we've got more staff in, but it's very much, um, you know, family. Uh, there's, they listen, um, you know, if there's issues, if there's suggestions, you know, it's all taken on board. Some are actions, some aren't, um, but that's kind of nature of the beast. But it's just great to be part of it. Everyone wants to get deals in, get deals done, uh, get them out the door um, and then get them repaid as well, which is some of the uh, some of the fun but no it's just just a great place and and it's a buoyant market so you know it's uh, when you've got people that want to do deals then um i think that's a, a massive plus what has been the biggest change you've seen in the bridging and mortgage sector over the past few years um i think the biggest thing is is it's become mainstream um which is great you know the um back in the day it was very much it, i wouldn't say you know last resort 
Um, it was used by people with generally bad credit because they couldn't get finance elsewhere. Um, but now it, it's mainstream. It's um, you know it's something that certainly property professionals, which we see, you know, it, it's a it's a way of them making money, adding value to property. Um, it's it's quick. It's probably it could be a bit quicker. Um, you know, with uh, all the various challenges with the process, but um, you know, it is still quick money. Um, and if you you pick the right lender. Um, which I, I think Glenhawk is one of those. You know, we we look after the client and um, make sure that the, the journey is as smooth as possible um, for it. So I think that's the, the, the main thing is mainstream. Um, There's a lot more awareness about it, um, and it's 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 competitive. You know, number of lenders out there, the, the pricing um, is is down. Uh, it's getting cheaper, um, but as we as we know, that's that's not the always the the, the ultimate driver. Um, you know, it's guarantee of money. Um, so, yeah, main, mainstream and and competitiveness. And um, bridging loan applications for the year to the end of June 2021 were 26.9 percent higher than applications in the year to the end of June 2020. And there's also been a reduction in the number of loans and default and number of repossessions. So, two aspects to this next question. Firstly, why do you think the bridging market is achieving those kind of figures? And secondly, what's your take on the current state of the bridging market? Okay, I mean, I, I, I think I kind of touched on it before that it, it's it's mainstream, it's it's awareness. Um, there's now a lot more brokers that are aware of, of what a bridging loan is and, and how it can be used uh, and how it can be used as a solution for, for their clients. Um I think the the quality is is better. We you know it's, it's it's more property professionals that are using it, um, and also I think the you know the regulated side has, has probably seen a bit of a, a, a jump on that, which is something Glenn Benhawk entered uh, last October. Um, you know, so that's that's a big market with with chain breaks. You know, um, especially at the moment with prices being competitive, you know the, the chains do break down, unfortunately. Um, but also, you know, people want to add value to their their main residences or or what they're buying, um, and and sometimes a bridge is the right way to do that rather than going straight into a, a mortgage. Um, so yeah, I, I think just just awareness um, and and also the fact pricing I think comes into probably the same answer for both questions, Sean. In, in that you know it it is more readily available, it is it is cheaper. Um, so it, it's a bit more attractive for people. And great place to get stuck into some real life examples and, and issues clients face and what solutions may be available out there. So for instance, we saw a case recently where a client had developed residential units and was running out of time to sell them um, with the existing development finance partner who wouldn't extend or increase the loan. So if someone was in that situation, what other options what are the sort of underwriting considerations and what exits are well considered and also acceptable? Yeah. I mean, we, we see, we see a lot of them. Um, you know, the people call them developer exits. Um, some people call them marketing loans. Um, the, it's, it's basically, as you say, it gives someone the time to, to sell their properties at market value rather than having to drop prices, discount, reduce the value of them. Um, it gives them the time to to, to sell or, or, or to refinance. Um, so we, I mean, we had one um, 
a couple of weeks ago that was a uh, customer had, had built three new houses um, and had also converted an existing house into some flats. Uh, they sold one of the houses. Uh, they'd refinanced the flats onto buy to lets um, and they had two other houses left. Uh, they had another project with the same development lender, um, but the development lender wanted the money back before they would lend them for the next project. So we came in at, at 75% of the open market value, which is what we lend on, on residential, um, which gave them a bit more cash. Um, and it also gave them another 12 months to, to sell the properties. Um, I think one of them will probably be redeemed very quickly. So they, they've exchanged. Um, but, you know, it, it just it just worked out perfectly. Um, I would say from uh, an underwriting point of view, you know, we, we look at the where, where the, the development is, um, you know, look at, obviously, we pay great attention to the, the valuation. So what's the demand like for, for sale? How long is it going to take? You know, is the, the sale price realistic? Um, if they've been on the market, then why haven't they sold? So, you know, are they priced too high? Do we need to get that down? Um, so, you know, those will be discussions we'll have with them. Um, but a lot of it will come down to the, the, the client's kind of net wealth, asset and liability position, um and and the valuation um and you know is it realistic that they whatever term they're after you know some sometimes people will ask for a three-month term and realistically you know the sale isn't going to happen so you know you have to stretch it a little bit more um but with something like that we can uh we have the ability to either um retain the interest or the client can service it so you know there's there's ways of making the, the loan size work um but you, you find quite a few developer exits are, are lower loan to value. People aren't always looking to take all their profit out. So, you know, I've seen a few 50 percenters, uh, even less than that. It just redeem what they've got already um, so they can move on to the next one. And turning to HMOs, many believe HMOs will continue to grow in popularity over the coming years. Uh, we've seen many cases where clients are looking to purchase property, refurbish it and then sell it as a HMO, not necessarily keep it to rent out the units for want of a better phrase before proceeding what should the client consider initially you know it could be pd rights scheduler works things like that what yeah. are the underwriting considerations and solutions in a situation like that where you know you look to purchase a property refurbish it and then sell it as a hmo and what are the exits considered acceptable like is selling it as a hmo acceptable to you yeah. Okay. Um, I, I would say there's, there's quite a few things that a customer would need to consider um, when they're looking to do a, a resi to HMO. Um, you know, is, is planning required? Um, can they do it under permitted developments? Um, if so, great. You know, is it in an Article 4 location where there's a restriction by the local council um, in that you can't change a residential to an HMO uh, under permitted development? Um Scheduler works is important on, on any uh, refurbishment or conversion project. Is it realistic? Um, you know, there's lots of talk about, you know, cost of materials have gone up over the last 18 months with COVID. So, you know, that's something, again, we would ask a valuer to review. Um, and depending on the level of work, we, we may want an asset manager or a quantity surveyor to review that and monitor the project. Um, uh, I, I think licensing um, you know, the, the, the rules have changed uh, over the last 12 months, you know, minimum room size, how much space there needs to be, communal areas. So, you know, there's, there's a lot for a first time person to, to look at and consider. Um, and I think for us, 
you know, the broker is important in that journey as well because they will they will help the client um, and make sure that they've got the right team behind them or involvement in, in the project. Um, underwriting considerations um, is, you know, have they completed some, some refurbs or conversions before? Um, if they haven't, it's, it's not the end of the world, but, you know, we would want to understand who's going to do the work, who's going to monitor it. Um, to make sure that it can come within timescales and within budgets as, as, as much as you can. Um, I, I think the, the, the exit is, is really important. Yes, sale is, is acceptable. Um, refinance, we probably see more as an exit because most people will convert a house to an HMO for rental yield rather than for capital value. Um, now, what... Uh, the underwriters and the client and broker would need to understand is the the exit. You know, is it um, is a lender? They switch it to a buy to let. Are they going to do it on an investment value, so a, a rental yield, or, or is it going to be on bricks and mortar? Um, and that can come down a lot of the time to is planning needed. If it is, let's say to change from a four bed house to a seven bed HMO. You've got planning, there's, there's value within that planning, uh, and therefore the rental is probably uh, more achievable than investment value. You know, if you've got someone that's bought a three-bedroom house and converts it into a five-bed HMO because they've used a you know, reception room or a, a front room and it made it into a bathroom, uh, sorry, into a bedroom, you know, shared facilities, you know, is someone going to pay an enhanced value for that? Probably not, because they could probably buy it as a three-bedroom house down the road and, and do the work themselves. So, you know, those are the sort of things that um, I, I think most brokers would, would discuss with the client. Um, and certainly from discussions I would have on inquiries, those are the sort of things that we would we would want to bottom out early to see whether it's something we can assist with. And turning to second charge bridging loans, uh, sometimes they can appear quite complex. Often, we've been reading, they can be used against the main residents, but for commercial purposes so as an example you might be buying a commercial building converting it into apartments to sell etc is this yep. something that you're seeing a lot of um and also can you go through an example and practice of that yeah of course yeah yeah we we see a, a good amount of second charges um now for us we can do a second charge on on the client's main residence or on any residential property um so we probably see more second charge on main residences, as you say, for commercial or, or business purposes. Um, we'll, we'll make it unregulated from a FCA point of view. Um, now, the business purpose, it could be to actually physically invest into a business. It could be that the clients are property investors. Therefore, that, that is their business. So they're using that second charge um, to go towards maybe buying or refurbishing other assets. Um, the couple of examples we've seen recently um, is where we had a client actually it was uh, it was on in new build properties um, and it was one that I was kind of being a bit cheeky and asking if we could help with but um, Nick and Nick and Jamie Nick our uh, MD and Jamie sales director you know it was like okay not never been asked that before but actually why not um, it was a client that needed to repay development finance um, and it was they they were arranging a, a C bills loan, but there was a limit on the amount of the C bills loan, um, so it left them uh, about six hundred thousand pounds short. Um, so we actually did a second charge. Uh, it was secured, secured across three assets, three houses, 
Um, and the um, the original Seabills loan was virtually repaid from the sale of the first. So we were then left with a very small second charge uh, on two nice assets. Um, so that, that worked really well, but say it was a scenario I wasn't sure we could do. Um, the other ones um, we, we can look at is, is more where someone doesn't want to put cash in towards a project. So they would rather use an asset. Uh, and again, these are kind of property professionals. Um, you know, cash is king in, in, in every um, uh, every walk of life. So, um, you know, people will give us a second charge on their main residence or, or on other buy-to-lets, which means we can fund 100% of the purchase price uh, and potentially the, the refurb costs as well. So apart from, you know, a bit of stamp duty and, and other associated costs, they're not actually spending hard cash on it because um, I'm sure you're aware, you know, investors are, are looking for deals and, and, and projects all the time. So, you know, if they can keep a bit of cash that they can put down on something to hold it, then they would rather do that than having to arrange the finance. Um, so, yeah, second charges is, is, a, is a good market for us. Um, and we can go up to 70% of, of open market value. Um, Peter, in respect of commercial premises, following on from that, say I was looking to purchase a commercial property and I already have the tenants lined up, they're in place. And my plan is I want to refinance with a term lender, say in a year's time, 12 months. Is that doable? And what happens if I lose those anticipated tenants? So for whatever reason, they just they just can't come in. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we look at a lot of commercial property and, and semi-commercial as well. So, again, we can go up to 70%. Um, we're happy with it being vacant or, or with it being let or about to be let. So it doesn't, doesn't make a difference to us from a lending point of view. Um, we, again, would look at the valuation. So what's, what's the valuer telling us the demand is like to let that property? So, you know, if they say you should let it within three to six months, your tenant pulls out, we've got a 12-month term, then, you know, we're, we're pretty confident that you'll find someone. Um, and again, we would look at your experience as a, as a client. Do you have other commercial property? What other tenants do you have? What other assets have you got in the background? That sort of thing. Um, I think what we've seen or I've seen the last few weeks is a, a couple of commercials where we're actually lending off, again, the investment value. So like on the HMO we talked about earlier, you know, we uh, one of them had a, um, a, a boots as a tenant, big commercial, um, had eight years left on the lease. So we were happy to lend off the investment value uh, rather than the vacant possession value. Um, and in that instance, it was about a £300,000 difference. So it was, you know, the, the client loved that, that they were putting less cash in towards it. Um, you know, there's others where you might have a tenant or a, a lease that's expired or is about to expire. So, you know, the, the bridge will allow you time to uh, renegotiate that lease or get a new tenant in place. Um, we're seeing a few where with the permissive development changes, um, you know, where people are looking to maybe convert offices or, or storerooms upstairs into residential. So again, you know, they need to renegotiate on the lease. The bridge will give them time to do that. Um, and if they need to get planning, it gives them time to get planning, which they can then come back to us potentially. And, and we could raise the finance against the enhanced value with planning and also lending the conversion costs up to the um up to about 65% of the uh, end value GDV. 
So yeah, I think commercial is 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 becoming more and more prevalent, and I think uh, portfolio landlords are looking at other ways of diversifying from standard residential, whether that is HMO, whether that is commercial, um, and everyone is looking to to add value to a property. You know, there's there's very few people that want to buy something that's finished and complete unless you're going to live in it. But if you know, if you want it for an investment, if you could go in and spend some money and, and add value to it, get your rental, you know, it's happy days for everyone. And finally, if, if a property developer or mortgage broker wants to get in touch or learn more about your products and services, uh, Peter, how would they go about that with you? Um, best thing is to uh, is, is to give me a, give me a call, drop me an email. So my my email is pt nice and easy pt at glenhawk.com. Um, there is a, a generic lending team at glenhawk.com as well, which will hit the sales desk um, and also uh, all the BDMs. So there's five of us covering the country, um, and we would then put that person in contact with the local BDM to uh, discuss the inquiry. Um, or someone can give me a call on my mobile, uh, which is um, 07464 Brilliant. Well, Thank you so much. That's it for this week, everyone. Thank you, Peter, for being such a fantastic guest. Thanks, Sean. Thank you for listening or watching. If you want any further information on Glenhawk, please check out the website. We'll also be repeating Peter's contact details in the links below. I definitely recommend following Peter on LinkedIn um, and getting more news and updates on social media from him. Please share and spread the word about the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit us with a five-star review. But more importantly, please stay well and take care.